Okay, uh, we're working on a few little things back in the back, so my phone keeps ringing. I, I look down, that's what it is. I'm getting messages, so welcome back. It's good to uh, start. It's a little bit hard to start on a Tuesday after not being here on Monday for us, so we're trying to get into the swing of things. So what do you think of when you hear the word faithfulness? Um, you know, I tend to define faithfulness as being true to my word, that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And that's how I always think of faithfulness. But as I was preparing this lesson, I came across another definition of faithfulness uh, in my Logos software from Nelson's Topical Bible Index. And it gives a different perspective of the definition of faithfulness that I really like. Uh, he's, they say faithfulness and I, this is on the PowerPoint, but I don't know if that's up there. If, um, if somebody back there can just go click the PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're working on the video. Uh, there it is. Faithfulness is making faith a living reality in one's life. You are full of faith in God, and you demonstrate that faith. And when I read that, I thought, I really like that. It's... Faithfulness is being full of faith in God, and you live out that faith in Him, that you demonstrate it. So our focus in our study of 2 Timothy, as you know, is to leave a legacy of eternal significance. And Paul gives us insight in this letter into what that looks like, to leave a legacy of eternal significance. Last week... We looked at leaving a legacy of encouragement. And this week, Paul challenges us to leave a legacy of faithfulness as we look at 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 18. That is our topic this week. And we really can summarize these verses, 8 to 18, in two words of be faithful. Leave a legacy of faithfulness. But what hinders us? from being faithful to God and to others. One of the things that I have to overcome to be faithful is just the whole area of fear. And you've heard me say this before, and I will continue to say this, is that fear can be your greatest enemy or it can be your greatest friend. Because fear can be your greatest enemy if you let it stop you from stepping out and trusting God. And living out your faith. But it can be your greatest friend if you allow it to draw you into that deeper dependency with him. When I took this job in Memphis, or when I was trying to decide about taking this job in Memphis, I had fears. Um, I knew that God was leading me to come here. But I had fears, fears of failure. What, God, what if I can't do this? What if I just totally crash and burn as a women's director? What, I had the fear of rejection. What if they don't like me? I had a fear of just the unknown. God, I don't know what it's going to be like to move to a new city. But I had to sit down and I, I finally just said, God, I'm scared. But I know this is where you want me to move and I've got to to trust you and to put my faith in you. And I'm so glad that I did not let fear 
stop me from stepping out. Well, Timothy had fears. He felt inadequate. He was afraid of what might happen. He knew what was going on with Paul. He was watching the persecution of Christians. And so in verse 7 that we looked at last week, Paul began to exhort Timothy and say, Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be afraid. Step out in faith. Demonstrate your faithfulness. Don't let fear hold you back. And so now we turn our attention to this week's lesson in verses 8 to 18. And Paul exhorted Timothy to be faithful in four areas. And if we are going to leave a legacy of faithfulness, these would be four areas that we need to really focus on of being faithful. So let's jump in. First, be faithful to the gospel in verses 8 to 10. In these verses, Paul is exhorting Timothy to be faithful to the gospel really in two ways. One, he's saying, I want you to be faithful to proclaim the gospel. That's verse 8. And he says there, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. He's saying, Timothy, you be faithful to proclaim the gospel. Don't be afraid to share the gospel. I know you're afraid. But don't hold back. He exhorted Timothy to do just the opposite of shrinking back. You go, don't be ashamed, join with me in suffering for the gospel. Timothy, you be faithful to proclaim the gospel. When I was uh, in a country that we've gone to on mission trips in Southeast Asia several years ago, in this particular country, the government is very anti-Christian, and it was getting worse and worse, and still is. And I was talking to one of the leaders one day as he was sharing about what was going on in this country, and the dangers that they were facing for sharing the gospel. And I said, so are y'all going to kind of pull back a while and just kind of lay low? And in light of what's going on, and he looked at me and he said, no, absolutely not. We are going to share the gospel. I don't care what the government does. And I remember sitting there thinking, would I have said that, Lord? (laughs) Would I have had that kind of confidence To say, no way, I am going to share the gospel. Well, that's that's one of the things that that, that Paul exhorted Timothy to, and it's one of the things that he exhorts all believers to. We need to be faithful to proclaim the gospel. But a second way we're faithful to the gospel is that we need to be faithful to preserve the gospel. And I mean by that, preserving the truth of the gospel. Verses 9 and 10. In these verses, he gives a concise summary of the gospel in these few verses that he's reminding Timothy, Timothy, this is the backbone of the gospel. This is what you need to communicate in sharing the gospel. Don't change it. Don't water it down. Don't make it palatable for the audience. Thinking that, oh, I don't want to offend them. 
And so he reviews with him in verses 9 and 10, this is the gospel. You preserve these truths. God saved us. He called us with the holy calling. Our salvation's not by works. It's by grace. It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus abolished death. He died on the cross and he rose again so that we would have eternal life. That's the gospel. Don't change it. Don't water it down. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. Don't water it down and say, well, you know what? I kind of hear what you're saying about your way to God. No. You preserve the integrity of the gospel. Well, okay, works, maybe works could, maybe you could be saved by works. No. It's by grace. So that's what he's challenging Timothy to. You stay true to the gospel. Well, how do we stay faithful to the gospel? Well, in verse 8, Paul says, Join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. The the way that we're going to stay faithful to the gospel is not by our own strength. It's through his power in us. And we need to never forget that. And when we're feeling shaky, remember, we've got his power, the Holy Spirit in us. We may not be suffering for the gospel here in the U.S. the way that Paul and Timothy were facing. Or the way that our Christian brothers and sisters around the world are facing even today. Last week, I got an email from a woman that we've worked with in a country that they had to dissolve a meeting they were having because the government was, they got word the government was coming to arrest them. They're dragging pastors out, beating them. We don't face that today. We might down the road. Are we going to be faithful to the gospel? But even today, we still face opposition to the gospel. How are we handling that? You know, maybe it, it may be that We're left out of a group because we're Christians. Or people talk about us because we're Christians and we go to church. Or whatever it is, how do we handle the small opposition to our faith? Because someday we may be in situations like Paul and Timothy. Will we remain faithful to the gospel? regardless of what's going on. And so I'm going to give you a question or questions to consider with each of these main four points. Uh, And with this one, the question for you to, to think about this week is, am I letting today's culture diminish my faithfulness to the gospel? Am I letting the mindset of our world today hinder me from being honest and just sharing the gospel? Am I afraid of what people think? Am I willing to share the gospel when God has clearly given me an opportunity, but I'm sitting there thinking, "Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure this would go over well if I said anything. Don't let the culture of today hinder us from being faithful to the gospel. Be faithful to proclaim it and be faithful to preserve it. 
And then the second exhortation, if we're going to leave a legacy of faithfulness, we need to be faithful to our calling. Verse 11, Paul knew his God-given calling. He says, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. There was no doubt in Paul's mind of what he was called to do. And he was faithful to that calling. And both Timothy and, and Paul were called to preach and teach, but why is Paul not ashamed of it and he's doing it wholeheartedly and Timothy's kind of shrinking back in fear? Well, Paul gives us his secret. He gives us insight into his secret in verse 12. He says, For this reason, because I am called by God to teach and preach, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. And this is where he gives away how he does this. He says, For I know whom I believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul was faithful to his calling because, one, he knew what his calling was, and two, because he knew his God. And he knew his God was trustworthy. He knew his God was able to provide what he needed to carry out that calling. Now, there's questions about this verse, uh, about he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. But what is he referring to there about entrusting? Uh, and, and one translation makes, implies that God is entrusting something to Paul, but most of the, the translations translated as Paul is entrusting something to God. But what's he referring to here? Um, some say that he's entrusting the souls of those that he's led to Christ. Uh, others say he's referring to his own soul, eternal security. Uh, the one that I lean toward is he's referring to his life and his ministry. You've entrusted me with this ministry, Lord, and I'm giving my life to this ministry. And I'm going to entrust it to you while I'm on this earth. And when I leave, I'm going to trust that you're going to carry it on. He was confident in his God. And so two questions for you to consider under this uh, area. Number one, do you know your calling and your purpose? And are you living it out? You know, we spent a week last semester in the Rooted Study walking you through your purpose. And if you did not sit down and walk through your shape and your mission statement, I want to encourage you ladies, do it now. Know what your purpose is. And if you have trouble, talk to one of us, your small group leader or somebody in your group or me. Do you know it and are you living it out? Are you using your spiritual gifts that God has given you for his purpose? And a second question to consider is how well do you know your God? Do you trust him? With what he's called you to do, do you trust him to enable you to carry out his calling for you? Do you have confidence in your God? You know, one of my go-to verses that I 
always go to um, when I'm starting to just question myself or question what I'm doing. I always go to 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. If I know my God is faithful, then I can trust him to carry out and to give me all that I need to carry out his purpose. So if we want to have a legacy of faithfulness, first, be faithful to the gospel, to proclaim it and to preserve it. But second, be faithful to your calling. Know it and trust your God to enable you. Third, be faithful to God's word. Verses 13 and 14, he, he says, Retain the standard of sound words which you've heard from me. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And that treasure is God's word. It's the gospel. And so he's saying, Timothy, you be faithful to the truth of God's word. And in that time, people were not being faithful to God's word. Timothy was dealing with false teachers in Ephesus. There were men teaching that, hey, there is no spiritual, I mean, there is no physical resurrection to come one day. It's happened when Jesus raised. I mean, they were teaching false things about the word. And he's saying, Timothy, you be true to God's word. There were some that were misusing God's word for their own personal gain. And we're against, up against those same challenges today in our world. People stretch the word to say what they want it to say. And you can just re- go on the internet or flip through channels and listen to people preaching the word, taking it out of context. You know, a few years ago, and for those of you who did the study when we did it the first time, I actually showed you this video clip. But I'm, I'm not going to show it, but I'm going to read to you. A few years ago, I watched a video clip of the wife of a mega church pastor. And actually, she's considered to be one of the pastors of the church also. But she spoke to the audience one Sunday morning, and this is what she said. Now, I want you to imagine that you're sitting in this church as she's telling you this. And I, want, I just want to see, think about how would you feel? What would be your response to this? She says, I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. We're doing it for ourselves. Because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good, because God wants you to be happy. I can't do it the way she does it, but I'm trying. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself, because that's what makes God happy. Amen? How would you feel if you were sitting in that service? I hope that every one of you would walk out. (laughs) Because 
there's nothing in there that says that what brings God the greatest joy. There is nothing in his word that says what brings him the greatest joy is that you're happy. What brings him the greatest joy is that you're being transformed to become more like him. And sometimes that takes pain. You don't go out and do what makes you happy. Hey, I want to go and rob a store. I want to go sleep with, you know, a bunch of men. I want to get drunk. No. Just because it makes you happy doesn't mean that is what God makes God happy. It's not what makes God happy. So when we hear somebody taking God's word out of context like that, we need to, oh, nope, not going there. One of my biggest fears as a teacher of God's word is I'm always afraid that I am going to teach God's word wrong. God, please, that's my prayer. God, please don't let me teach this wrong. And that's why it takes me hours and hours and hours. The guys tease about how long it takes me to put a lecture together. But it's because I, I want to study it. I don't want to teach you something that's not truth. Be faithful to God's word and be sensitive when you hear somebody teaching something contrary to God's word. So a question to consider here. What are some warning signs? And I think we, I put this in your study. What are some warning signs that you're not being faithful to God's word? Are you taking it out of context? Making it say what you want it to say? So if you want to leave a legacy of faithfulness, the first three things we need to do is be faithful to the gospel, to proclaim it, and to preserve it. Second, we need to be faithful to our calling. And third, faithful to God's word. And then the fourth area, the last one, we need to be faithful to God's people. Verses 15 to 18. We are designed to be part of community, not to be loners, not to go it alone. We need each other. But sometimes people are going to let us down. And in this section... Verses 15 to 18, Paul gives two examples to emphasize this exhortation. He begins with a negative example, and then he gives a positive example. And so we're going to start with the negative example. <clears throat> In verse 15, he mentions two men who were not faithful to Paul. <clears throat> Excuse me. In verse 15, he says, You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, these two men turned away from Paul. We don't know exactly what they did. It's been thought that perhaps they denied him. They denied knowing him, like Peter did with Jesus. Or maybe they um, denied his truth and said, yeah, he's teaching wrong stuff. I, I don't follow what he's teaching. Or maybe they just abandoned Maybe he wanted them to come and and stand at his defense before his trial, and they just said, nope, not doing it. We don't know, but they, all we know is that they turned away from Paul. And if we want to leave a legacy of faithfulness to God's people, 
that's not the example to follow. But the positive example is in verses 16 to 18, and he gives us a positive example with the Nesiphorus. And he says, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Nesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered in Ephesus. Onesiphorus was faithful. He stood by Paul in good times and the hard times. And then he, he points out in these verses several things about Onesiphorus and this example that we can learn from. The first thing he points out is that he often refreshed Paul. We need people around us who refresh us instead of always being around people who drain us. Another thing he points out is that he was not ashamed of Paul's chains. He wasn't afraid of being associated with Paul. And a, a third thing he points out is that he eagerly searched for Paul and he found him. And this is probably referring to Rome in his prison, that he was trying to find Paul and he didn't give up until he found Paul. That commitment to wanting to be that support for a brother in need. And then the last thing Paul tells about him is that he rendered services to him at Ephesus. He served him. If we want to leave a legacy of faithfulness, we've got to be faithful to God's people. And we all need an Anesiphorus in our lives. Somebody who will refresh us. Somebody who will stand by us when everybody else turns against us. Two questions to consider here. And the first is, are you an Anesiphorus to others? Are you faithful to stand by those people that God has placed in your life? And along with that, I mean, are you refreshing to be around or are you draining to be around? And the second question to consider is, do you have an Anesiphorus in your life? Someone who's faithful to you through thick and thin. And this isn't something that I would say, go out and say to somebody, hey, would you be my Anesiphorus? This needs to happen organically where people just, you just know, it just happens. But pray for it. Pray for God to surround you. One of the hardest things for me when I left Dallas to come to Memphis was I left behind a circle of Anesiphoruses. People who knew me, people who stood by me. And even when I go home to Dallas today, uh, those friends are there. And it's like we never left. And they support me and surround me and stand with me. And that was a fear I had, was leaving that circle of Anesiphoruses. God, what if there isn't anybody here in Memphis that I'm going to have that type of relationship with? And so I prayed, God, bring some Anesiphoruses into my life. And he did. And I don't know what I'd do without them. I, I think about um, <laughs> my first year, maybe it was my second year, I was making a small change in an area of women's ministry, and 
there was somebody that really was pushing back on it and just wasn't going to, just, nope, we're not going to do that. And uh, a friend of mine, one of my Nessa forces, was there at the time, and she just turned to the, the lady and said, listen, Cricket is our women's director. And I'm looking at Debbie, but it wasn't Debbie. <laughs> but for sake of, you know, listen, Cricket is our women's minister director. She wants to try this. We're going to do it, so just sit down and let it work. And if it doesn't, and I remember I looked at her and I went, in my mind, I'm going, I love you. <laughs> because I didn't have the guts to say it. And it just, and we did. And we're still doing that one change. But I, I, we need those Anessa forces who, when I don't have the courage to stand up, they'll stand up for me. That's what we need. So if we're going to leave a legacy of eternal significance, leave a legacy of faithfulness. Be faithful to the gospel. Faithful to proclaim it. Faithful to preserve it. Second, be faithful to your calling. Know it. Live it out. And trust your God to help you do that. Third, be faithful to the Word of God. Don't let the world and our culture interpret Scripture for you. You be faithful to the Word. And fourth, be faithful to God's people. Be an Onesiphorus to others. I want to close um, with sharing just uh, briefly about somebody in my life that left a legacy of faithfulness when I lived in um, a country in East Asia. Um, we were studying the language, and we had a wonderful young translator, beautiful girl, wonderful. And we got to know her, and led her to Christ, and she led others to Christ, including a girl that I couldn't lead to Christ, that I couldn't help her understand the gospel. But, And I'll call this translator Ping, just for simplicity. But Ping led this girl to Christ that I had tried and just never could make it make sense. She was a wonderful Christian of this uh, national. And then one day she didn't show up at the university. And we wondered what, what's happened to her. And she finally got word a few days later to us that she was in the hospital and had been beaten almost to death uh, at her apartment going home one day. And uh, some of you may remember Elizabeth Boyd. I call her Liz Boyd. But Elizabeth Boyd grew up in this church. Shirley Boyd's her mom. Steve Boyd's her brother. But Elizabeth and I were together uh, at that time and... Liz was really close to Ping, and so she said, I'll go and see her. Because Ping had asked, could somebody come? So we said, Liz, you go. And so Liz went, and she came back and told us. I, I didn't even recognize her. She was beaten so badly. She had gone home, and some people in her apartment complex just attacked her and beat her to where she was paralyzed on one side. Her teeth were knocked out. She had cuts on her face. Her hair was pulled out. Um, but she said, the thing I noticed is that she had her Bible on the side of her bed open. And so she was telling Liz what had happened. And Ping was married to a non-believer in the Communist Party. And she said, my husband 
has tried to use this situation to make me denounce my God. He, he said, now you're going to denounce your God. Because what kind of God would allow this to happen to somebody that believed in him? So, see, he's not real. He doesn't care for you. Walk away from it. And so Liz said, what'd you do? And she said, I told him no. That more than ever, I need my God because I would not get through this without him. And I will be faithful to him because he is faithful to me. And I've never forgotten that young woman's legacy of faithfulness. We lost touch with her because we moved to a new city right after that. And this was before email. There was no way to communicate. But I have a feeling that if she's still alive, that she is living out a legacy of faithfulness to God. And that is my prayer for us, that no matter what we go through, that we would stay faithful to God and to his word and to other people. Let's pray. Father, I don't know how I'd respond if somebody ran in here today to arrest us. But I pray that I would respond like Paul and like Ping. I pray that for all of us. That, Lord, we would live out our faith in you. That we would be full of faith. And that would be demonstrated in our lives. Father, help us be faithful to your word, to people, to you, to our calling. Use us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.